Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to episode 242, I'm sorry, 292 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast for Tuesday, February 5, 2013 on tonight's show. A uh, conversation uh, with AAFP medical student board member Aaron Meyer, and we'll be talking about his recent essay about what it's like to be a senior medical student uh, who will be graduating in just a few months. Um, Also, we will be talking about the norovirus. What is that? Uh, We'll be talking about that as well. And also, uh, computerized order entry. What is that all about? We'll be uh, talking about that all in the in the midst of uh, this show uh, here tonight on episode 292 of the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, starting right now. medicine and social media this is the family medicine rocks podcast i'm your host my name is uh, mike savella your favorite family physician host what is the show about i get that question a lot here i tell people this is social media through the eyes of a family physician i encourage you to check out my digital library of stuff at uh, familymedicinerocks.com and uh, shout out to all the people following me on twitter um, all uh, 11,287 people uh, follow me on Twitter. Thank you so much for that. And also a big shout-out to the, the people who like the Facebook page for this show, um, all uh, 725 of you. Thank you so much for that uh, as well. Today is Tuesday, February 5, 2013. It is 9 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, here at Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters, it is 25 degrees Fahrenheit, so not as cold as a couple of weeks ago, but, uh, you know, it is January and it's chilly around here, so thank you so much for joining me here uh, this evening. How is your week going here, the kids? Uh, before we get going here, I do want to ha- I have a big announcement for the next show here. This is a special Tuesday night show, uh, but for our normal Thursday show, it'll be uh, Thursday, February 7 at 3 p.m. Eastern time. And my guest uh, will be live on the air here will be Dr. Andrew Morris Singer, the president and principal founder of PrimaryCareProgress.com. Uh, and I encourage you to check out the uh, the website, PrimaryCareProgress.com. They're doing some great stuff out there, uh, talking about primary care and the clinical innovation. And uh, we're talking about a lot of stuff uh, coming up in just a couple days here. Uh, and also later this month, trying to uh, get on the show here, Kevin M.D. himself, uh, Dr. Kevin Foe, will be joining us uh, later this month to talk about his new book, 
so well, hopefully uh, I can get uh, we can get our schedules all matched up, and also uh, working out some other interviews for the for the show here. So very exciting times around here. Uh, but coming up on this show in just a few minutes will be a conversation uh, with AAFP uh, medical student board member Aaron Meyer. Uh, that's the of course the American Academy of Family Physicians, and we also welcome all the board members here on the show here. Also, later in the show, we'll be talking about norovirus. What is that? That's been in the news nationally here in the United States, so we'll be talking about that. And also a very local, hyper-local story, uh, uh, something called computerized order entry in the hospital. Uh, that's just started at my local hospital here today. I'll be sharing some, some thoughts and some observations uh, of that uh, today. It's obviously for more of my local listeners. Thank you so much for that. But before all of that, I do want to thank Block Talk Radio for having me be a featured host here on the network. I've been the social media hobbyist since uh, 2005. And if you're curious, yes, I am a real doctor. I am a uh, family physician in full-time private practice, meaning I see patients five days a week in the hospital and in my office here in uh, beautiful northeastern Ohio. And uh, I will uh, take my break. And uh, after the break will be a a conversation uh, with uh, American Academy of Family Physicians medical student board member Aaron Meyer, fourth-year medical student. Uh, You're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast, the unofficial podcast of the Family Medicine Revolution. You can check out FM Revolution for more details. Uh, And also a proud member of the ProMed Network, a podcast you can get there by going to promednetwork.com. And uh, we'll be right back. Right. <laughs> Family Medicine's leading voice in social media in my own mind. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast on a special Tuesday night show. Thank you for joining me here. My name is Mike Stabila. Go to familymedicinerocks.com for more uh, information. Uh, so um, I have a few topics I'm going to be talking about here uh, tonight. Uh, the first uh, topic here will be a, a conversation, a conversation that was recorded yesterday. Uh, with uh, fourth-year medical student uh, Aaron Meyer from uh, St. Louis University School of Medicine. Uh, and uh, he wrote a, uh, an interesting essay um, on the AAFP website, uh, on the AAFP uh, leader blog. Uh, it's entitled, Preparing for a Match Ruling But Rewarding. He's also, he is uh, uh, talking about the medical student match where uh, when you are a fourth-year medical student, you uh, you try to match up uh, where you're going uh, for for residency after you finish uh, medical school, uh, and um, and he will talk about that during the course of our uh, of our conversation. In addition to his essay, uh, we're going to be talking about uh, being a leader in family medicine, um, and uh, just in a few days. 
uh, is going to be the uh, the committee meetings uh, for the American Academy of Family Physicians. Uh, they call it their winter committee uh, uh, committee cluster uh, meetings. Uh, I believe it's going to be in Kansas City, and um, we'll, we'll talk about that as well. But just to give you a little bit of a nutshell, I mean, um, you know, the, the academy uh, has uh, its a governing structure where they have various commissions, um, you know, like on education and health of the public. I think they, they still call it that. I, I forget all the names of the commissions, but these are the these are the the, the committees that do the work of the academy. We're talking we're talking about clinical topics, talking about advocacy, legislation, all that kind of stuff. And and there's going to be a lot of medical students um, that are going to be you know on these committees, uh, um, sharing their voice, what they believe, what they think. And Aaron's going to be talking about that during our conversation. And, and later in our talk, we we talk about the the huge uh, uh, annual meeting um, of the medical students and uh, residents. Um, in Kansas City, Missouri, it's going to be uh, um, August 1 to 3, 2013, uh, and uh, we'll be talking about that as well. So uh, I'll just get this queued up here, and uh, this will be our conversation just recorded yesterday here. Uh, this is Aaron Meyer, a student member of the AAFP Board of Directors, fourth-year student at the uh, St. Louis University School of Medicine, and uh, I will... Uh, also have some remarks after I play our conversation. Here we go. All right, Mike Savella, FamilyMedicineRocks.com. And on the line with us, um, very happy to have him on the show. We're going to be talking about his uh, essay uh, coming up, but we do have the uh, student member of the AAFP Board of Directors, fourth-year student, I'm so jealous, fourth-year student at the uh, St. Louis uh, University School of Medicine, Aaron Myers, my guest. Uh, Aaron, welcome back to the show, my friend. Uh, thank you for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it. Uh, and uh, people want to uh, learn more about Aaron, you can uh, go back to when the first time uh, he was uh, on the show. I begged him to be on the show. Uh, you can uh, check out Family Medicine Rocks episode all the way back 266. That was from uh, July 24, 2012. That was before uh, last year's national conference, which we'll talk about during the course of our uh, chat here uh, uh, today. But uh, yeah, as I, uh, as we start out here, Aaron, as I ask all my guests or a lot of my guests as they uh, as they come on the show here, uh, you know, we love family medicine. I love family medicine. Family medicine does rock. So I ask you. Uh, Aaron Meyer, you know what? Uh, what do you enjoy about family medicine? Why did you choose family medicine? Um, Why don't we just start out right there? Yeah, so I actually got I caught the family medicine bug when I was working for a year in a homeless shelter in Tacoma, Washington. I thought, wow, when I was going into the year that I may, you know, go into infectious disease, do something with HIV, um, and then throughout the year I started seeing more and more the the lack of uh, coordinated, comprehensive care that that all these folks in the homeless shelter weren't getting. So, I, you know, that's really when it hit me that family medicine was the answer, not only for, you know, patients, but also in communities. And uh, family medicine focused on uh, population health and community health, as well as really bringing down um, the cost of health care through just the all the skill sets that a family doc brings to the table uh, really, really motivated me to, to uh, become a family doc. Uh, and I was um, you know, looking at your bio here, especially maybe at the, the college level, and, and uh, you have, have a lot of experience, and it looks like one of your passions is working um, uh, with the underserved. I, I see on your bio here there's uh, uh, something uh, called uh, uh, the St. Louis Winter Outreach Team. Uh, can you talk, talk mm-hmm. to me about that a little bit? 
Yeah, so a couple of years ago, I started getting involved with St. Louis Winter Outreach. It's a group of volunteers that goes out when it's 20 degrees or below and gives uh, blankets, coats, uh, you know, mittens, socks. Socks are really important, especially when it gets wet, um, to folks who are living, you know, on, on grates or, um, uh, you know, underneath the highway. Uh, and then we offer uh, the option to, you know, come into a home, to an emergency shelter when it's, you know, when it's that cold out. So, um, it's, it, you know, it's not a 501c3 or anything. It's just a group of people who are concerned about folks when it's this cold. So it's it's really uh, blossomed over the past three years. There's some really dedicated leaders in the winter outreach, and I'm just a, you know, a volunteer. So uh, I've, I've been very impressed with the organization through throughout my time at SLUMED. Um, and uh, you're, of course, you're a senior student, a fourth-year student now, and uh, we were chatting uh, but before uh, before the interview here that uh, you did some work in uh, San Diego with some underserved uh, people out there. Can you talk to me a little bit about that? Mm-hmm. So that's through their Combined Family Medicine Psychiatry Residency Program. The uh, the Combined Family Medicine Psych Residents, that's their continuity clinic in St. Vincent de Paul Family, uh, Family Health Center, and um, they provide psychiatric and uh, medical services for homeless folks in San Diego, whether you're, uh, you know, just, you know, just got on the streets or whether you've been on the streets for a while or uh, whether you're housed at some of their, um, you know, their long-term uh, shelter spaces. Uh, it, it was a very, yeah, it, the experience there was very powerful. The, the need for medical care for homeless in San Diego is huge. It's the third highest uh, homeless population in the United States, and the only one uh, whose homeless population is growing, at least, or the the, the biggest city whose population, whose homeless population is growing. So, I mean, that's definitely necessary to have uh, medical services over there. Um, and uh, my guest online is uh, Aaron Meyer, and uh, um, fourth-year student at the at uh, St. Louis University School of Medicine, the student member of the AEFP uh, Board of Directors, and. Uh, um, we're going to shift gears here a little bit, and I do want to talk about the the, the essay that you have on the uh, uh, AAFP Leader Voices blog. You can get there by going to aafp.org, and you get an essay that was written on Monday, January 28, 2013. The title is "Preparing for Match." Uh, grueling uh, but rewarding, and uh, um, you know a lot of docs out there remember their fourth year, and uh, actually the, probably the best year of medical school. <laughs> so much, so I can attest to that experiencing it right now. <laughs> yes, <remember. laughs> um, but let's kind of back up a little bit, uh, and uh, you know, for people, you know, people watch TV and they kind of know a little bit what the match is. So we'll get into your essay in, in a little bit, but one is kind of. Um, explain kind of the process um, of the match as a fourth-year student for people who may not know exactly what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the match, uh, you know, the, the way I try to describe it to folks who don't know what the match is, it's like a computerized sorting hat from Harry Potter. Um, it, it's, it's a computer algorithm that sorts out the idea of preferences for both uh, the applicant and the residency program, and that's for 16, about 16,000 U.S. seniors and about, uh, I think, 24,000 uh, 24, um, IMGs. There's, um, I think, about 40,000 match applicants each year for about 25,000 spots uh, nationwide. And um, it, it goes through multiple, the computer system goes through multiple iterations and um, selects the ideal choices for each, for uh, in the individual and, and, the, uh, and the program. 
Uh, and this could be you know, very fun uh, for a lot of the, uh, the senior medical students, uh, and because there's a lot of students that uh, um, you know they visit you know out of town, out of state to do rotations to get themselves uh, familiar with the program for the program, get to get familiar with them. Um, and uh, for a lot of people, I mean, they, they do a lot of traveling and vacationing and things. And I imagine that you did the same thing. And but that's kind of officially part of the uh, the. Uh, the selection and interview process, wouldn't you say? Oh yeah, you, you, in order for a program to numerically rank a candidate, the the, the applicant has to go to uh, to the city and the program and hang out and visit. So yeah, I, I've I was all over because yeah, there's so many different innovations going on now. I, I was in Denver and Courage, Portland, Seattle, uh, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, pretty much across the country for a, about a four month span. Great, great, and I won't ask you which one was your favorite because that kind of would be tipping your hand. But, uh, but this is not just uh, just to let people know. This is not just family medicine. This is for all the specialties out there, and and uh, um, they get to do this during their uh, last year uh, of, uh, of of medical school. And um, um, it sounds like it's been uh, you know a, a fun type of, of process. Um, but uh, I guess that you get a little bit into that as, in, into your essay as far as yeah, there's some there's some fun things about it. But uh, you know, for some uh, students out there, they're looking for you know particular um, uh, uh, particular things that they're going to be practicing, um, particular interest areas. Um, and uh, uh, would that be right as far as what you were you are or were looking for as you're traveling around the country, you know, selecting a, a residency program? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, family medicine now, it's an interesting time as far as residency redesign. There, There's a P4 program preparing the personal physician for practice, and that's focused on developing innovative new curricula and, um, in a, you know, and establishing that throughout, you know, the whole future of the residency program. Um, there's about 14 P4 programs now. And I went to the ones at uh, Oregon Health and Sciences University and the University of Colorado in Denver, and I, I was, you know, really impressed with uh, with what they're doing as, as far as training their residents, not only to be great physicians, but also to be great at, uh, you know, population health. Um, and, you know, not only through the P4 programs, but there's, you know, combined family medicine psychiatry programs. There's five in the country. Um, they give about uh, two spots. In each program, so that's that's another ten sponsors. I interviewed at some places for combined uh, family medicine and preventive medicine. So I would get uh, if I went to those programs, I could get an MPH at the end and and um, get more into uh, advocacy and policy work. A lot of the a lot of the graduates that I went uh, of the program that I visited for the combined family med preventive med go on to become medical directors, um, huge policy wants at state Medicaid offices. Um, so for students out there who are looking, you know, for, you know, very, uh, who are looking for specialized areas in family medicine, there are there are so many uh, programs that can help, you know, that can help tailor your your training to what to what you're looking for. Uh, and to explain to the audience a little bit, um, you know, we've talked about. Um, uh, the phrases like patient-centered medical home and practice innovation, and and how family medicine is really trying to you know trying to to take the lead role in, in showing everybody who we can talk to um, that there is a better way to deliver medical care to deliver primary care because we are in a uh, broken healthcare system and and how that's important 
um, for uh, for people like Aaron is that um, you know for for students and residents to you know learn this new model of care, this patient-centered medical home concepts, they have to ideally go to programs that teach this, and not all. You know, programs do this, and there's some programs that do this better than other programs. Um, so it's kind of an exciting time in family medicine right now for medical students and for residents. And um, you know, things that that Aaron is talking about when when he's using uh, words like P4 and all that kind of stuff are you know kind of innovative things in medical education for doctors in training, for medical students in training, and, and it's very exciting. I mean, obviously, I didn't have that when I was uh, looking at residency programs, but uh, it seems like you know. That, that is something that is very innovative. That is that is um, things that um, you know the students are looking at, like the the people, uh, your peers, um, you know the the other family medicine leaders at the uh, student and resident level. I mean, this is something that has to be very important to them as they're looking for for residency programs. Would, would that be right? Oh yeah, the the, um, the program that comes to mind when I hear about you know quality improvement, uh, OHSU has a a very interesting. Um, very interesting component to their training, and whereas they have uh, pretty much scorecards for uh, for residents, including the interns, about different core metrics that they want residents to achieve, and, and they they post the the scorecards throughout the clinic. And um, they're right now they're working on how that integrates in with you know what kind of outcomes they can get from that data. Um, but it you know it's something that that's I, I think very uh, on the cutting edge of quality improvement, especially within the PCMH. Um, and we will talk about the, the national conference uh, later in our conversation. But um, um, as far as you know, advice that you would have, uh, Aaron, for you know third-year students, second-year students, or even you know first-year students um, as they're looking towards uh, residency uh, or interviewing for residency, or is there an advice that you would have that you've learned along the way um, that? That you would probably have needed a year ago, or two years ago, or three years ago. Looking back, yeah. So I think what has been important for me throughout my training is I've had really great mentors where I can, you know, when I'm living in my head and don't really know, uh, I've confused myself to to such a degree. They they help bring me back and help, uh, you know, ask the questions that 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 need to be asked, and I have the answers. I just need to to. Uh, you know, to reach out to them, to people who have known me throughout med school. So I would encourage all medical students really to to reach out and find uh, some folks in the profession who you look up to and who uh, whose opinion you really value because um, that's really been, been my saving grace throughout these four years. I've really been fortunate to have uh, two great mentors who who have uh, who have been involved in underserved healthcare throughout their professional careers. Fred Rodnick is a uh, medical director at St. Louis County Jail. Daryl Zink is at FQHC uh, Family Doc, and um, their I mean their advice and counsel has been been really wonderful. So I would I would encourage yeah, med students to reach out to to people who who they respect and and uh, whose opinion they value. Um, I guess on the line is the uh, student member of the AEFP Board of Directors, a fourth-year student from St. Louis University School of Medicine, Aaron Meyer, is on the line. And let's kind of switch gears again here because this week is very important uh, uh, for the Academy as we start up this this kind of calendar year. Um, this is kind of the week of um, the uh, committee uh, meetings. This is their first uh, meeting of the uh, of the calendar year. It's going to be later this week, and um, the show will be uh, played probably by a day or two before things uh, get started. And, um, you know, 
I again reflect on your on your uh, on your bio here that you've been you know, very active um, when it comes to uh, leadership uh, positions. Um, can you talk to me a little, Aaron, about you know how you got into AFP leadership? Were, were you always into uh, leadership type positions? Did you always uh, be were you always interested in that in, in uh, high school and uh, undergraduate medical school level? Mm-hmm. I've been involved in, in leadership opportunities throughout uh, high school and college, but it wasn't until um, until medical school where I got involved in, in, on a national level. I, our program, our department chair of family medicine at St. Louis University, uh, Dr. Dave Schneider, suggested that it would be a great opportunity for me to, to get involved with the academy. Um, so I, I first uh, I was first involved with uh, on an election that I lost, it was the, the Congress's delegates position, and, and I lost that, but they offered me a spot to become a regional coordinator, um, and that position was, was basically just talking to FMIGs throughout throughout each region. So my, my region was the Midwest, and, and got more um, interested in, in leadership on a national level because of all the, the great folks I met uh, in the academy, Ashley Beek, Ashley Bentley. They were, they were folks who really encouraged me to to uh, continue my involvement and suggest ways that I could further my interests. So I, uh, I then was involved with the Congress of Delegates, and um, and that was a very cool position. I, I was active on, on a policy level and presented um, presented the student perspective on the floor of the uh, the Congress of Delegates, and that was a, just a very powerful experience for me. And along with that, I was on the Commission on Education working on um, the student resident issues uh, subcommittee um, and working on different uh, uh, issues within family medicine. And um, after that, I, I, uh, I was elected to the, the academy board, and um, and now I'm I'm, the, I'm, the, uh, I'm now the board liaison to the Commission on Governmental Advocacy, and represent the student uh, perspective at board meetings, and that's. That's been a very uh, that's been a very enriching experience for me too. Just to be, you know, in, in a in a room with people who who think on, on a just a very complex level and a very organizational and policy, just a bird's eye view of where family medicine is going, and who are also involved on the ground. And it's been really rewarding to uh, continue my involvement in the academy. I look forward to continuing to serve however I can. Um, yeah, I was kind of a. Uh... <laughs> I know my friends that don't believe me, but I was kind of a late bloomer coming to the uh, coming to the AEFP in my first commission meeting. But actually, when I was a resident, uh, and I remember going to my first commission meeting, and they were just really overwhelmed and and uh, not really know what was going on and and what are these uh, uh, parliamentary rules and all that kind of stuff. And uh, um, but you probably remember your your first kind of commission meeting. Um, oh and, yeah. <laughs> um, and there's going to be hopefully a lot of a lot of students who, who are going to be uh, listening to our chat and downloading the podcast, all that kind of stuff, uh, um, and, and also just to give the audience kind of a little bit of a background, um, you know, the, the Academy obviously loves students, and, and there, there are students on a lot of the uh, Academy committees and commissions, and they really encourage student uh, participation and involvement, um, but Aaron, my question for you is that, you know, for those students who, um, you know, who are coming to this committee uh, meeting for the first time, maybe, you know, be a little bit intimidated, um, and reading through all the stuff, um, what uh, what advice do you have for for those new students who are going to be coming uh, to this uh, first weekend of uh, of commission and committee meetings? 
Yeah, so it certainly was intimidating for me um, my first time at the Commission on Education. I, I had never been involved in parliamentary procedure. People were saying words that I had no idea about, and uh, it was intimidating, but it, but it's a steep learning curve. I, I feel, um, you know, if you continue to ask questions, and uh, the Academy's been really great about instituting mentors for incoming student and resident um, members of the Commission, so reaching out to, to mentors, uh, asking questions outside the meetings has, has been really helpful for me. Um, but yeah, I certainly can uh, can relate to the to feeling intimidated when you're when you're around these you know really awesome national policy academic uh, figures in family medicine. It, it takes a while to to uh, get used to, and I've had to really beef up on my reading so I can feel like I you know I, I've got something to say. And, um, you know, and, and I think it's been great uh, for me and for all the other students to become involved is, is, because the academy. The, the leaders in the organization really do value student input because you know they're they're doing this for the for the future of the specialty and so getting student input on different issues is very valuable so I think the academy looks to students and involves students for um, really you know uh, intuitive and, and also uh, very great you know I'm very grateful for for that involvement. And I know just from my standpoint and, you know, probably anybody who's been uh, involved uh, um, in leadership in the academy, I mean, you do you do have friends for life and uh, that there are people who uh, who I know now who are, you know, chapter presidents or, or delegates from their state. And uh, we always uh, joke about uh, when we were students or residents and those first meetings and how we were really clueless and uh, a lot of good stories from back then. But then, you know, we... You know, then we talk about you know all the people that we've met along the way, and I remember my first meetings uh, that I was sitting next to somebody who uh, who wrote a textbook for something in family medicine. I'm like, oh, you're the person that wrote the textbook. Like, you know, when there were textbooks. I mean, now I don't know everything's electronic now, but um, <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's your name on the on the book. <laughs> and and you know, you have this perceived uh, uh, picture in your mind, you know, that they're this you know professorial type of person, and and then when you get to sit down with them and chat with them, they're like, oh, you know, they're like they're real people, and they're uh, they all, all they also have memories of being a student and resident, and it's not as intimidating. And uh, uh, it was really fun going to those first meetings. I mean, I was very uh, overwhelmed and intimidated, and uh, but just like you said, I mean, you ask a lot of questions. People, you're in a friendly environment, and uh, people just want you to succeed. And uh, I'm very very happy for all these uh, these new leaders that are going to be coming for their first commission meetings and committee meetings, and um, it's going to be a, a lot of energy going on uh, during mm -hmm. during that time. Yeah, definitely. the The meetings are, yeah, they're they're a lot of fun. Um, you know, and not only just in the meetings, but also the social events afterwards. There's a lot of uh, student residents, and even even some some of the uh, the family medicine faculty who who are pretty involved in karaoke. So I'm excited to to see what's going to happen uh, this 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 week. <laughs> yes, uh, I, I I do have some uh, karaoke stories uh, attached to me. I will I will not uh, admit them on the air, uh, but uh, if people come and talk to me during one of these academy meetings, I'm, I'm sure. Well, I'm sure there are people there that uh, that I know that were there that can give you the inaccurate story. Uh, but then when you talk to me after, I can give you the accurate story because, as you know, I mean, Aaron, I mean these these stories that morph into uh, you know something that is completely ridiculous. Um, and what actually happened was actually kind of 
kind of silly. <laughs> well, I hear you're legendary, so there must be quite a story. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so yeah, they're they're usually um, probably three or four days these commission committee meetings. So, uh, um, it, it's a it's a great time to get to know your colleagues, to get to know um, attending docs, uh, residents, um, and uh, it's really kind of a springboard towards the rest of the calendar year. Um, kind of ending with the national conference, which we'll get to, and also the uh, the Congress of delegates. But uh, uh, any more advice that you have for, for students or, or anything else that, that they that they have to look forward to uh, in the uh, commission meetings this week? As far as preparation for the commission meetings, I besides reading the agenda, I would make comments with you know on, on, a, on Adobe. You can do a little speech bubble, and you can write in questions you have and. You can send off your questions to the staff exec, who would be more than happy to, to answer your questions. Um, that, that helps me, and it's a, it's a trick I learned a little late, but making sure that all your questions are answered and the issues you have are clarified before the meeting starts so you can make you know, as, as meaningful uh, you know, of, a, of an impact on the meeting as you can. Um, I think that's been a helpful thing that I've learned along the way, and, and definitely reading up on you know the academy has a great um great news team so AFP news now is a great uh, uh way for for uh students and residents to learn more about what's going on in their specific committee or their specific commission um but you know and and mostly i w- i would be prepared to to enjoy yourself and meet some great people I, i'm looking forward to a just a wonderful time not only in the meeting but also uh, and many different social events that's going to occur throughout the, throughout the week. Um, I guess on the line is the uh, student member of the AFP Board of Directors, fourth-year students from the uh, from Ohio, uh, Ohio, I'm saying Ohio State, uh, St. Louis University School of Medicine. Uh, I'm going to call you Dr. Aaron Meyer now. Um, but let's uh, let's um, switch gears again, and I did want to talk about. Um, the uh, 2013 AFP National Conference. I uh, want to uh, talk about that a little bit. That is August 1 to 3, uh, 2013, in Kansas City. And people can get more information at aefp.org slash nc. And also <coughs> very uh, into the social media on uh, Facebook and Twitter and all that kind of stuff out there. Uh, so, Aaron, what, um, um, what, what, uh, when people ask you about National Conference um, and why it's so awesome, what do you uh, – what do you tell? So I would say what's most awesome about national conference is just the energy. Um, it, it's palpable throughout throughout the meeting. The you know the speakers that uh, the student and resident chairs pick are phenomenal. Just um, full of energy for family medicine, full of passion and enthusiasm, and it's it's just wonderful to be packed in a room uh, and uh, and listen to these these amazing national leaders. We. For some reason, I, at last year we shut down Twitter. There's just so many different tweets that I know it was single-handedly due to national conference and the the amazing live tweeting that was going on. Uh, but it, I mean, you, you see on the on the on the tweet board just the you know the ideas and, and uh, the ideas and the quotes people have from different speakers. And uh, besides besides that, you've got you know 400 different residency exhibitors, so students who you know, in their first, second year, third year, especially, can go and and talk to residents about their about their program, about what's great about being being uh, at their site, um, and then you can you can get involved in the in the policy 
process as well by submitting resolutions and bringing it to the floor and really getting a flavor of what it's like to be involved in, in the political process and see policy that you've made, um, you know, potentially get enacted into into academy policy. It's it's a very interesting time and offers a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of different things to, to different people, you know, and what you're looking for. Uh, so I... You know, I started going to national conference. I was a second-year med student, and you know, each year I, I, you know, enjoy it more and more. I've, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, to say the least. Oh, and, and what I've seen is that you know, the, you know, a lot of students there's kind of a progression as depending on how many years that you go, and you know, when first when first time students go and. Um, usually if you're a second year or a third year or something like that, um, um, there's a lot of really cool hands-on type of uh, sessions um, to learn about, a lot of clinical uh, type of things, and that's kind of how people kind of get hooked in. Um, mm -hmm. And then uh, sometimes they can present, they can present research, they can present posters, they can do all kinds of that stuff. And during some of that time, you know, people start to get really excited, they can start to get passionate, and then they start to learn about the academy and that they can really exist exhibit some change um, um, and which you know, not a lot of uh, medical organizations do or have that opportunity for uh, for for students to to be influential on academy policy it can be about clinical topics it can be about legislative topics and can it be about any of a number of topics and uh, I do see on the website uh, at uh, afp.org slash nc there is a, a number of scholarships that, that are available uh, to uh, medical students uh, to, to get out there to kind of see it's really hard to describe unless you get out there because it's just a huge room of people, um, especially the residency fairs and, and meeting a lot of people, people passionate about primary care, people passionate about family medicine. Um, and it's, 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 it's very exciting to, to kind of go out there and, and, and to really uh, check it out. And, and just like you said, Aaron, I mean, there's a lot of opportunities for, uh, for leadership, like you were saying, um, you know, opportunities to maybe run for office or to put your name up for these uh, um, uh, these uh, commission positions that are starting uh, this week or to write resolutions and to influence policy. And uh, it's just a great time. I, I, I try to go, even even though I'm an old guy now, sometimes I, I try to go and uh, and see what's uh, what's going on there because it really, for me, and, and uh, probably for a lot of people too, it re-energizes you, it refocuses you about why, why I chose family medicine and why a lot of other people have chosen family medicine. Um, it, is, it is such a great time. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that sentiment's been shared by students, residents, and you know, and practicing docs like like yourself. It, yeah, it, it really is a re, you know reinvigorating experience. Um, and I know a lot of uh, there's a lot of opportunities here, you know, maybe at their medical school level or with their AEFP state chapters. Um, sometimes offering uh, some scholarships as well, and and if, uh, if people have more information, I mean, you know, they may have information at your medical school level or with your with your state uh, state mm -hmm. chapter of the uh, AEFB, because I know a lot of states you know, do make that available to people, and uh, um, you know, to to contact your state chapter or to contact your your medical school to try to see if there's other opportunities other than what is on the uh, AEFP uh, website, mm -hmm. and uh, it's su such a fun time, such a great time. Uh, yeah. It's, yeah, it's hard to decide. Describe. Mm -hmm. and, and going along with uh, just funding for the event, you know, I, I was funded my first year through my department at SLU, um, and that, you know, that was very generous to them. My, uh, the State Academy also helped uh, on that, too, so uh, definitely check in with State and, uh, and your department. And also the AFP Foundation has been really great about 
uh, and very generous about funding students to go to national conference. And um, I, I would definitely check out the, the AFP webpage for national conference and apply for a scholarship. And because odds are you'll get it. Great, great. Um, and, and the last topic that, that we'll talk about is, is the uh, Congress of Delegates uh, itself, and it's in San Diego this year. It's uh, September 23 through uh, 25. You can get more information at um, AAFP.org. And something cool that the Academy has done over the last couple of years is, is uh, they have been uh, uh, recording and archiving uh, videos from the uh, sometimes some of the business sessions or the town hall meetings. If people have information about that, go to AAFP.org and, and search for uh, for Congress of Delegates. So Aaron, I know you were a, a, a delegate uh, from the constituency. Uh, can you describe a little bit about your experience about uh, uh, Congress of Delegates and, and uh, how would you describe that for people who have no idea what that is? Mm -hmm. So the Congress of Delegates is the national policymaking body of the academy. Uh, there's there's two delegates and two alternates um, for from each state, as well as uh, spots for the uh, uh, the national um, oh the got uh, NCSC yeah the special constituency yep yep mm -hmm. and then um, two spots two uh, two spots for residents two spots for students and then two spots for alternate uh, student resident delegates. Um, and and you, uh, you know, the first couple of days you're, you're listening to uh, testimony um, and then the reference committee will come out with their report and then um, with their recommendations that those resolutions that have been presented from, you know, either states or through student resident chapters um, can get debated on the floor. And then depending on those, Recommendations that AFP policy um, is enacted. It's 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 really um, it's a very great experience to see uh, and hear the very impassioned testimony on, on some on some topics. So the student student voice this year um, was heard uh, very well. Uh, the student resident voice put there, we, we put through a resolution on uh, the health uh, benefits of same sex civil marriage and. and what that does as far as uh, strengthening the family, and, and that was a very um, there's a lot of debate on both sides, and that eventually passed. And it, um, I think it, it's a very powerful uh, testament to to um, what what the academy values, and and um, so I, I've really been that was a very powerful experience for me, to say the least. Yeah, I mean, and there, there's uh, a lot of examples um, of that, and uh, it really makes people, especially students and residents, you know, that they feel like that they are making a difference at at a uh, at a policy level, at an organizational level, um, you know, more than in their own medical school or in their own state, and uh, it's a, it's a very empowering type of experience for everybody, but especially for 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 students and residents who may not have. Uh, have had that uh, experience before, and it's very gratifying uh, to to be, uh, you know, a part of the debate. And and uh, you know, no matter what the final outcome is, I mean, people feel like that, you know, that their uh, their point of view was heard, even though it may not have uh, been voted, uh, you know, up or down or whatever by the entire Congress of Delegates. Um, I, you know, people have told me that, you know, no matter what happens, you know, especially the Academy makes makes people feel like that they're that they're heard, no matter what their point of view is. And, and people really enjoy the process, and uh, you know, and like everybody says, you know, <laughs> there are a lot of stories out there where people are yelling at each other, you know, during the Congress or during the uh, during the reference.
conference committees and then they go out for a beer later or something like that because you know everybody knows that everybody has their passionate point of views but but uh, at the end of the day we're still all family dogs we still all you know mm-hmm. love our patients and take care of patients uh, but we really appreciate that this process that the academy has to to let our point of view be heard mhm yeah um, all right. Well, that's, that, that was all on my list here. I mean, that's uh, we we covered a lot of uh, a lot of ground here just in just a few minutes. Uh, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> um, but uh, it seems like that your fourth year is is, uh, is going pretty well. I mean, uh, the advice that I have is is to enjoy it, and you don't need to hear that from me. But it sounds like you are enjoying it. And uh, uh, is your last kind of uh, few rotations uh, kind of relaxing a little bit and getting ready for your uh, intern year? Yeah. I- well, I don't know how relaxing it'll be. I'm I'm going to be uh, at a nursing home for about three weeks, getting some uh, some more instruction on on geriatric medicine. Then I'll be moving on to a rural family medicine rotation. I, I haven't done rural family med, so I'm really looking forward to to learning more about what a rural family doc does. I think then I'll be then I'll be moving on to a to a senior capstone elective, where basically we, we regroup as four seniors and and. Uh, Learn, learn some, uh, you know, some of just making sure all our, you know, I's are dotted and T's are crossed, and, uh, and then it'll be time to graduate pretty much. It's only about four or five months away. <laughs> oh, yeah, and just uh, kind of closing the loop on, on match, there is a match day um, that uh, people have heard about before. What, is, what does your school do for, for match day? And uh, uh, that's very exciting for people. Yeah, so uh, March 15th is match day, and at SLU, um, we're, we're doing something a little different this year where everyone uh, has a, can choose a 30-second clip of any walkout music. So whatever entrance theme song you want, you know, parade down and, and open up your letter. I don't think we have to read it in front of everyone. I don't think that's going to be a part of it, but uh, we, we pick up a letter to our own uh, theme song, and that'll be very fun to see which... Which song every every med student selects? If, if you don't if you don't put out an actor, uh, your suggestion, I think the default is going to help. So so like can only one person pick the one song, or can there be repeats, or it doesn't matter? I think there can be repeats. I don't I I don't think anyone will have chosen my song. I'm doing a a 30 second clip to uh, Lion King, the King of Pride Rock. So that'll be It'll be interesting to see the reaction that that, uh, that, that gets. <laughs> uh, and, and is it on the? Did they put on YouTube or at your school at all? Or yeah, some some of the uh, matches is on YouTube. Um, I'm sure they'll be you know, filming some of it, and yeah, it'll be all over Facebook on March 15th. Cool, cool. Yeah, we'll we'll see it out there, or, or I'll, I'll I'll try to hunt down uh, hunt down yours or your schools or. Yeah, I'll make sure it gets taped. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll put it up, and because uh, uh, it, it, it's gotten to be a, quite a production now, Match Day at, at some of these mm-hmm. schools, and it's uh, uh, very, very interesting to kind of see not only how they do it, but how they put it on social, and uh, um, it's it's kind of fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, our our match is held at uh, Bush Stadium, so after the match, after the luncheon, you go out on the on the Cardinal Field and take pictures with your family, and it's a really it's a really neat 
culminating experience, I think, for, for med students. That's great. That's great. Uh, well, Aaron, I will uh, uh, let you gather some thoughts uh, for some from sort of, uh, some closing thoughts from my audience, but I, I do want to let people know, again, uh, that this has been uh, Aaron Meyer, the uh, student member of the uh, AAFP uh, Board of Directors, fourth-year student at St. Louis University School of Medicine. Very exciting kind of uh, reading about you and getting to know you over the uh, over the past uh, few months. Uh, uh, it's been very cool kind of seeing what has been happening and, and watching your career, and uh, uh, it's going to be great things for you in the future. But as we kind of close our our, our, our chat here today, Aaron, do uh, you have any closing thoughts uh, for my audience when it comes to um, anything that you like, family medicine, leadership, um, you know, anything like that as, as we close our chat today, Aaron? Yeah, so as far as family medicine goes, I, I only see the specialty uh, in prominence. Um, as we move more away from fee-for-service to, you know, a, a pay-for-outcome-based pay-for-outcome, pay-for-performance system, I, I really think primary care is, is going to take uh, is going to take primacy, you know, <laughs> full redundant. But um, as far as, uh, you know, the medical students out there who are thinking about to to go into, um, I, I would just continue to, to reach out to your mentors and, and continue to, to reevaluate and, and ask questions on how, you know, the, um, why you went into med school, you know, what, what are the reasons, you know, usually it, it stems from, you know, a desire to, to help people, and I can't think of um, any, believe in family medicine that can meet the needs of individual patients and, and communities. I, I've been... You know, very fortunate to have uh, role models in my life who who uh, who feel the same way about about healthcare, and um, you know I look forward to to working you know national leaders and with my you know faculty back in St. Louis to uh, to really uh, make our health system you know what it could be. So I you know I appreciate the opportunity to come on the show, Mike, and look forward to talking with you again. Great, and uh, there he is, uh, soon to be Dr. Aaron Meyer, uh, student member of the uh, AFP Board of Directors. Hey, have fun this week. Um, um, uh, I don't even know if there's going to be a uh, hashtag. I presume there's going to be a hashtag for the uh, commission meetings, uh, uh, so I'll be uh, following that. And it's going to feel like I'm there because uh, uh, I know a lot of people are going to be tweeting out what's going to be going on this week, the important work of the Academy. So uh, thanks again for the time, Aaron, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and good luck this week. Yeah, thanks, Mike. And uh, thanks again to, to my guest, uh, Aaron Meyer. And uh, a big shout-out to everybody going out to uh, Kansas City for the uh, for the commission meetings uh, this week. Um, and hopefully they'll be uh, uh, tweeting during the course, maybe not during the course of the meeting, but uh, uh, maybe afterward uh, to let, kind of let everybody know what is, uh, what is going on. Um, so, uh, yeah, it was a lot of time, and uh, uh, thanks a lot for the, for the time again. Uh, we do, we, we're not done yet here, kids. We, we do have two more uh, quicker topics uh, to talk about. One is norovirus, which I was interviewed uh, uh, last night uh, on local TV news. I'll be, I'll be obviously playing the audio uh, from that uh, uh, coming up, and, and also with just some brief thoughts uh, because at the at the end of the show here uh, about my hospital who went live today on the next stage of uh, a computerized uh, uh, hospital uh, documentation and orders uh, and, uh, and people uh, who who work in the hospital every day are, are always 
kind of curious about what uh, what day one uh, was all about, and I will be talking about that at the end of the show. Uh, so uh, we'll be right back here on the uh, Family Medicine Rocks uh, podcast. My name is uh, Mike Savilla. We will be right back after this short break. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me no more. Welcome back to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast live on a Tuesday night here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. My name is Mike Sabilla. And uh, norovirus, uh, this has been in the news here. What is norovirus? Norovirus is a stomach bug uh, sweeping across the nation and around the globe. Seriously, uh, this is a, an article from the Associated Press from Thursday, January 24, 2013, entitled, U.S. Hit by New Stomach Bug Spreading Around Globe. Um, a new st- a strain of a stomach bug sweeping across the globe is taking over the U.S. health officials say since September, more than 140 outbreaks. That's right. <laughs> 140 outbreaks in the U.S. have been caused by the new Sydney strain of the norovirus. Uh, it may uh, not be unusually dangerous. Uh, some scientists don't think it is, but it is different, and many people might not be able to fight off its gut-wrenching effects. Yeah. Uh, clearly, it's having an impact. The new strain is making people sick in Japan, Western Europe, and other parts of the world. It was identified last year in Australia and uh, called the Sydney strain. In the U.S., it's now accounting for about 100, excuse me, now accounting for 60% of norovirus outbreaks, according to a report uh, released last week by the Centers of Disease Control and Prevention. Norovirus, once known as Norwalk virus, is highly contagious and often uh, spreads in places like schools, cruise ships, and nursing homes, especially during the winter. Uh, last month, 220 people on the Queen Mary 2 were stricken during a Caribbean cruise, uh, mistakenly called the stomach flu, which it's not. Uh, the virus uh, causes bouts of vomiting and diarrhea for a few days. Uh, every two or three years, a new strain e- evolves. The last was in 2009. Uh, the Sydney strain's appearance has coincided with a spike in influenza, perhaps contributing to the perception that this is a particularly bad flu season in the United States. Uh, so this is, uh, you know, it, we're seeing a lot here locally uh, and uh, have a lot of people in the hospital and people who have called off from work. Uh, so it is, uh, it is prevalent here. Uh, in uh, the uh, Family Medicine Rocks World Headquarters area. And uh, last night uh, I was on the local TV news, and uh, uh, you'll be able to see it um, on my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com slash Rocks, and I'll eventually get it up on the website, uh, familymedicinerocks.com. But here is the audio of this interview. It's only two and a half minutes, but uh, as always, chocked full of information. Here is my interview from last night. You're watching WKBN, 27 First News, where your news comes first in high definition. 
Welcome back. Joining me today, Dr. Michael Savella from Salem Community Hospital to talk about something, unfortunately, a lot of us have experienced, the norovirus, which is very different from the traditional stomach flu. It's not related at all, in fact. No, it's not. It's a, it's a very contagious virus, and it is not uh, related at all uh, to influenza or the flu. People think, say, it's a stomach flu, but it's not really that. Even though it might seem like it. What exactly is the norovirus? How do you know that you might have it? Yeah, I mean, it, there's been a, a, a lot of symptoms with it. I mean, there, you know, about 20 million people in the United States get it. Um, it's um, it's in from contaminated food and water and uh, and touching contaminated surfaces so so it can be spread if you touch the wrong things and people to people as well uh, yes exactly that's why it's very very contagious uh, and, and symptoms you know can be a, a, any of a number of variety uh, what you would think of with the stomach type virus it's nausea and vomiting and and, and diarrhea uh, abdominal pain um, and there's no lab test for the norovirus and you know, I have a lot of my patients say you know can you just give me an antibiotic and make it go away. Antibiotics don't help. You just kind of have to ride it ride out. Ride it out. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so how can we avoid this? What are the most common places? I heard daycares and schools, places like that. Offices too, though. Exactly, yeah. It could be pretty much anywhere. That's why we're just trying to educate people about it. The first, the, the most important thing is to wash your hands. Uh, and you can use soap and water. You can use uh, some of the, the gels there. Clean, disinfect uh, contaminated surfaces. Wash fruits and vegetables. Cook seafood. It can, it can be in seafood. And to wash your laundry very thoroughly to get that virus out of there. It's usually probably about two or three days. People feel very sick. Some people need hospitalized. But we're seeing more and more people uh, with this. People are calling off work, calling off school. Uh, uh, so it's, it's a big problem now. Is this especially dangerous for anybody in particular, or is it just something that should kind of go through? Well, I mean, we, we always worry about the very young and the very old because they can get uh, dehydrated very quickly. They need the to be concern. hospitalized. Okay. Those are the people we need to really worry about. Thank you so much for letting us know what we need to know about that. If you have any questions, though, you can go to our website, WKBN.com, to find out more. We'll be right back after this. So there you go. So you can uh, you can uh, watch that again at uh, at uh, facebook.com/familymedrocks and also eventually at uh, familymedicinerocks.com. It, it it is a big problem. It was uh, it was in the national news last week, and uh, we're seeing a lot of it here in the area now, um, uh, especially in the last uh, few months. So uh, so take note of it, and especially people uh, locally here in the Salem, Ohio area. We're gonna try to get an, an article out and or. Uh, Salem News newspaper uh, to uh, to talk about it a little bit more. Uh, so I will take one more break here. After the uh, break here, I'm going to be talking about uh, something at our hospital today called uh, computerized order entry, and uh, I'll be giving a little bit of a uh, of, of a background on that and uh, sharing a little bit of my thoughts on um, kind of what happened today, what's going to be happening. Uh, probably the next couple of weeks uh, as as more and more physicians at our hospital are going to be uh, getting on board on this and uh, see what happens. So you're listening to the Family Medicine Rocks podcast on a Tuesday night here on the Blog Talk Radio Network. My name is Mike Savilla, uh, familymedicinerocks.com, and uh, we'll be right back.
That's right. Social media through the eyes of a family physician. This is the Family Medicine Rocks podcast. My name is Mike Savilla. And the uh, last uh, segment of the show here, uh, going to be talking about something called uh, uh, computerized order entry that goes by a lot of names, computerized physician order entry, computerized hospital order entry, computerized patient order entry. And uh, what, what is this? Why is it important? And uh, why could it be important to you, the general public, the, the, the patient that could be in the hospital? So just a little bit of a background on this. So this kind of all originated uh, back in 2009, which uh, with, uh, with what people call the stimulus bill of uh, 2009, uh, people call it the ERA. Uh, the American Recovery and Reinvestment Act of uh, 2009. There was something in there called the High Tech Act. Uh, and uh, the uh, U.S. government is spending $25.9 billion to promote and expand the adoption of health information technology. And uh, getting this from, from, from several different articles out there, the Washington Post uh, reported the inclusion of as much as $36.5 billion in spending to create a nationwide network of electronic health records. Um, and uh, there's a national coordinator of health information technology. Uh, and he's quoted here saying, you need information to be able to do population health management. You can serve the individual quite well. You can deliver excellent customer service if you want to wait for someone to walk through the door and then uh, go and pull their chart. Uh, what you can't do with paper charts uh, <laughs> I don't really understand this quote. Why did I read it? I have no idea. Uh, but why is this important? So computerized uh, order entry. Now, what is that? So uh, right now, well, not right now, but yesterday, uh, the way that that physicians, the way that doctors, people, um, and other providers can get work done in the hospital is using paper. They would write down an order like get a lab test. You would write that down. And there's a whole process on how that's done. Uh, so starting today uh, at my local hospital, we have uh, these computerized uh, orders. And uh, what would happen is someone, um, sometimes a physician or a provider, sometimes somebody else, uh, would enter this order into the chart, and that's how work would get done. Uh, for example, you would uh, order an X-ray or a blood test or something like that. Uh, and, um, you know, obviously nobody likes change, um, and uh, depending on your point of view and your stance on computers, uh, people don't like uh, using the computer, and I get that. I understand that. Um, you know, it's, uh, um, a lot of people say I did not go to medical school to run a computer. I understand that. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of uh, change that's going to be going on um, in, in our local hospital over the next uh, couple of weeks uh, as, as the uh, physicians, as the providers, you know, get more, uh, I wouldn't say familiar with it, but as they get introduced to doing their work more on a screen versus in a paper chart, uh, there's going to be a, uh, a, a sense of transition that's going to be taking place. And a lot of today uh, was kind of working through some of the technical type of things. You know, when you're, when you're in a training environment uh, and not working with real patients, uh, sometimes uh, the, uh, uh, the training environment is not uh, uh, exact 
uh, and it does not completely correspond to the to the uh, to the live environment. And we saw that today at our at our local hospital here. When they flipped the switch, uh, everything was not perfect. Um, and that is uh, easy for the doubters uh, to say, "Hey, you know, it's not perfect. Uh, so you guys should uh, we should delay it until everything's perfect." <laughs> That's not going to work. Uh, because our friends in Washington, you know, they put these deadlines in uh, for hospitals, for offices, for a lot of different type of organizations to have their uh, computerized records, uh, you know, online, or else there are going to be severe penalties uh, for that, which I don't want to get into right now. Uh, so a, a lot of today was, you know, a lot of today is, is uh you know, trying to get physicians and providers familiar with the system, uh, actually working with real patients, working with real orders, working with real uh, lab tests and results, and and uh, you know, not in a practice type environment. Um, and you know, nobody likes change. It's going to be very anxiety provoking. Um, but hopefully, that we have a, a lot of support at the hospital. Um, there are people who are called super users uh, who, who are out on the floors and going to be helping providers and physicians, um, you know, get through uh, the system so they can, um, you know, take care of patients. That, that is the bottom line of all this. So, uh, so it was just day one, um, and, um, you know, hopefully, you know, uh, it's going to get less rocky. It's going to get more smooth. Um, and, and hopefully uh, the technical glitches will be able to be worked out uh, uh, sooner uh, rather than later. Uh, so I will, uh, <laughs> I, will give, uh, I will try to give uh, periodic updates on what's happening because our hospital is not the only hospital going through this. Uh, a lot of hospitals around the country are going to be needing to hit those deadlines and are going through the same things uh, right now. Um, also in the office as well. There's a lot of uh, docs in the office who are going through this, and uh, I feel your pain out there, kids, uh, uh, but we will get through this um, and hopefully, maybe, even, you know, do a little bit better patient care. <laughs> that's, that's kind of one of the goals of all this. So uh, so that's a little bit of an update on, on what's happening at our hospital there, and, and I hope to give you some, some more updates as, as time goes along. Um, I know some people uh, who, who listen to my show uh, locally here in the area were kind of curious about what was happening, so hopefully that gives a little bit of insight on kind of what's uh, what's going on. Uh, so that ends my show here uh, this evening. And thank you so much for joining me live. And if you're uh, uh, listening on the podcast uh, and you downloaded this, thank you so much for that. Big shout-out to all the uh, people going out to Kansas City in the next uh, few days for the AAFP uh, Committee and Commission uh, meetings. And uh, hopefully I'll be able to follow a little bit on Twitter. Uh, big show coming up in two days. Very excited. Uh, big show coming up uh, Thursday, February 7, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, will be a Dr. Andrew Morris Singer, the president and principal founder of PrimaryCareProgress.com. You can check him out at that PrimaryCareProgress.com. Hopefully later this month will be uh, Kevin M.D. Dr. Kevin Fell will be uh, with us, hopefully, if we can match up our schedules. Uh, we'll be talking about his new book and also uh, uh, other some, other uh, some uh, exciting interviews I'm trying to set up here uh, later this month. So uh, thanks again uh, for joining me. Uh, check out my digital library of stuff 
at uh, familymedicinerocks.com, also facebook.com slash famedrocks. Uh, follow me on Twitter at uh, Dr. Mike Sevilla, MikeSevilla.com. All that good stuff um, out there. So uh, thanks again uh, for joining me. I'm going to find a, a closing song to uh, get us out of here. And I hope you're having a good week. And uh, we will see you back here in just two days uh, for our next show, show number 293. So good night from Northeastern Ohio, and we'll talk to you all very soon. Good night, everybody.